The stories we tell communicate who we are and what we value. Each episode, we consider a different story from our perspective as women. From murder ballads to fairy tales, we discuss the power these stories have over us all. This is our history, both real and imagined, told through the eyes of today. This is Femlore. Hey men, welcome to season three. Whoop, whoop, whoop. Wow. Three whoops for that one. <laughs> but no more. Only three. You got to count well, three. Yeah, I mean, our third season together. This is really exciting. <laughs> it's super exciting. And I think we have a really good story to kick it off today. Um, and I'm really excited to tell you a little tale. I can't wait to hear it. Oh, man. And before we get to this week's story of uh, Girl Without Hands or the the Armless Maiden, there's a lot of names for this this story. Um, it's actually a Grimm Brothers story, which is pretty cool. Uh, I definitely want to tell you about a really awesome nonprofit here, men. Oh, great. So this nonprofit has the really cool name of NW Cave, which stands for National Women's Coalition Against Violence and Exploitation. Um, and their quick little summary is whether human trafficking, domestic violence, missing children, sexual assault, sexual violence, stalking, bullying, hate crimes, and all other forms of violence and exploitation against women and children, NW Cave uh, tri- strives. NW Cave strives to keep the public informed and educated on how we can live in a more civilized, free, on a more civilized society, free of violence. Wow. So incredible work. It sounds like a really great nonprofit. We will be making a donation. Um, and their website is nwcave, that's K-A-V-E dot org. Um, and yeah, we'll be making a donation. So yeah. And hopefully if our listeners are interested, please join us, check them out. Um, they do incredible work. Cool. Well, uh, shall I tell you the story now? Yes. All right. Let's get to it. There once was a miller who fell into poverty until all he had was his mill and next to it a large apple tree. One day when he was gathering firewood, he was approached by an old man in a tuxedo and a wide smile. The old man said that he would give the miller all the wealth his heart desired if the miller would give him what was next to his mill. Surely this deal is worth that old apple tree, he thought. He answered yes to the old man whose grin widened and vanishing he said that he would be back to collect his prize in three years. As the miller approached his house, he saw gold stacks of it piled up like firewood outside of his cottage he came in to see his wife who asked where the gold had come from the miller told her about the old man angrily she replied that the old man was the devil and that he had promised his daughter who had been next to the house sweeping to the evil one their daughter was beautiful pure and devout trusting in god wholeheartedly three years passed and the devil returned to collect the young girl but this first time she drew a But this first time, she drew a circle of chalk around her and cleansed herself. When the devil came, he could not take her because she was too clean. He told the miller that he would return and not to give the girl any water, so she could not bathe, and he could collect her. The miller complied, fearful that the devil would take him instead. When the devil returned, the girl cried so much that her hands were clean. The devil again could not take her. The devil told the miller to cut off his daughter's hands so that she could not weep in them. The miller, stricken with grief, said he could not do it, but his daughter stretched out her hands and told him to do as he was told. He chopped off her hands, but she cried so much into her stumps that her arms were cleansed. Returning for a third time, the devil could not take the girl this final time, and having tried three times, he no longer held claim to this girl. 
The miller said that she was the one who had allowed him great wealth and that he would make sure she was taken care of. The girl refused, deciding instead to leave her home. She tied her hands to her back and walked for almost a full day until she stumbled upon a royal garden protected by a moat. She was hungry, and she could see pears just across the water. She kneeled and prayed to God, asking for help. Soon thereafter, an angel came to her and dried up the moat. The girl walked into the garden and ate only one pear. The next morning, the king who owned the garden counted the fruit and noticed one pear was missing. When he asked his gardener what happened, the gardener told him of two spirits who had come into the garden. He decided to wait for the spirits and ask who they were and what they wanted. Sure enough, at midnight, the young girl again crossed the dried moat. When she came closer, the king asked if she was a spirit or human. When she came closer, when she came closer, the king asked if she was a spirit or human. The girl answered that she was just a poor human, abandoned by all others except for God. The king said he would never abandon her and made the beautiful girl his wife. Soon the king was called to battle, and he left his pregnant wife in the care of his mother. The queen gave birth to a son, and elated, the mother sent a letter through a messenger to the king. The devil replaced this letter with one that had said the queen had given birth to a changeling. The king, disappointed, but knowing his duty as a father, still replied in a letter with elation at the news. The devil replaced this letter with one that ordered his mother to kill the queen and the child. His mother wrote again to be sure this was the king's wish, and again received a letter instructing her to kill them. To save her daughter-in-law and grandson, she had a doe killed and kept its eyes and tongue as proof that she had killed the king's family. She sent the queen and her grandson away, and again the queen wandered the forest. A few hours into her journey, an angel found her and led her to a house that had a sign that said, Here anyone can live free. She raised her son under the protection of the angel in this house of the Lord. Eventually, God made her hands grow back. When the king arrived home, his mother showed him the doe's eyes and tongue as proof she had carried out his wishes. He immediately wept to hear the news of his family's death. Relieved, his mother told him that she didn't kill them, but sent them away. For seven years, the king roamed the forests, refusing to eat until he found his family. God kept him alive. Finally, he stumbled on a cottage that had a sign that read, Here anyone can live free. When he arrived, he saw his wife, and not recognizing her, he told her he was looking for his family. She said, But I am your wife. No, he said, You cannot be my wife. She is missing two hands. The angel appeared with their son and told him God had made it so. So they all returned to their kingdom where they lived happily ever after. So Min, what did you think? Wow. Yeah. I, lots of thoughts here. Um, it's a great story because <laughs> there's so much we can talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, first off, I think something that we often talk about is that she, the girl, doesn't even have a name. Nope. But no, nobody else does either. That's kind of good. True. That's true. good. Okay. Well, there's this, <laughs> there's this other interesting, um, just to quickly give you some background on this story. Um, it was actually published in 1812, first published um, by Grimm Brothers. Um, but actually, the story itself st- dates back quite a ways to the Middle Ages. And there's actually different versions of this around from around the world. Um, so it's, it's something that a lot of cultures have seen. It's a very uh, story that, you know, is actually pretty prolific, which is kind of cool. Um, so the, some things, um, some things that have changed in this version, uh, which when I was doing the research for the story, I found very interesting. Um, one is one version of the story is, has to do with incest. 
so the father wants to marry the daughter and he she says no and in retaliation he actually cuts off her breasts and her arms what yeah mm-hmm. but uh, i don't think not I, like it matters what i'm is there still a devil in like or no. the whole premise is just since he can't have what he wants correct yeah yeah. Which I guess we see that in this story, like the devil can't have what he wants. So Right. Well, and there's some there's some scholarly literature out there about the devil actually being the father. Oh. So they are one in the same. It was in the it was in the computer, you know. It's like Whoa. I could see that. <laughs> right? I get, yeah, because both of them, I mean, too, it's like the father has ownership mm-hmm. over the daughter, which yeah. we often see in stories like this. Exactly. And there's this thought about this tendency of of him, right? Like like he is very he acquiesces to the to the devil's whims. The devil's like cut off her hands and and so there's this thought that that's actually part of the father. The father is doing this as a way to kind of get what he wants and you can see she refuses to stay with him. And a lot of oh. people think that that was softened by Grimm. Because incest not a great not a great story to really tell the kids, right? Not a not a good not a good thing. Um, but there are a lot of stories about incest and fathers trying to marry their daughters um, that kind of harken back to the story. So this is kind of a clean wow. version. I clean. I wouldn't say that, but like this is like a I don't know PG thirteen version of like an MA version <laughs> movie, right? Uh, so that that's pretty pretty upsetting um but yeah i think the devil is a very interesting character in this um in this story the devil is very interesting in this story to me i kind of had assumed once you know the rule of three which we see right he came back for the daughter three times um i was surprised to see that the devil came back and was still involved in the letter writing and of course positions the Mm mother-in-law to be the bad person who's willing to kill and, you know, I mean, she didn't, but still, like, I think that probably means something and is supposed to kind of allude to, you know, contentious relationships between like a mother-in-law and, um, you know. Yeah, I think you're exactly spot on because um, like, you know, maybe if the devil is a is a is a metaphor for somebody's darker self, then all these characters have a darker self except the king who oh. even though he hears that his his kid is a changeling which you know that's a that's a very well known diagnosis so i'm not surprised that you know he believed that immediately right um <laughs> besides that uh that really weird sen- sentiment that he got from his his mother um he he is very devoted to his wife and should we make sure that our listeners know what a changeling is Ooh, yeah so a changeling um i'm going to be really bad at this definition but bear with me it's basically like a body switch with um sometimes it's fair I think there's other things that it could be, but uh, usually it's like a very um, malevolent presence that takes over your um, your loved one. Mm -hmm. Um, And a lot of times they were used against women uh, to say like that this is not my wife, and then things ensued. Mm -hmm. Um, But children were also a target too. So you can imagine if a child was obstinate, didn't listen. That must be a changeling that has nothing to do with my parenting, clearly. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, it sounds very similar to, you know, what I think happened even in the 50s and 60s, maybe later of like, when women could still be diagnosed as, you know, having a mental illness, when sometimes it was just PTSD after having, you know, giving birth, or Mm -hmm. maybe they actually just had ideals and not wanted to be a housewife, and then they could be sent 
to an asylum yeah. um, by their husband. Yeah, it's it's exactly it's it's a it's a way to to kind of control somebody. Yeah, and like take like the onus them. off of men, mm-hmm. like right. so that they can then do what they want, like marry someone else, or you mm-hmm. know, or parenting, right? Yes. Yeah, but that's interesting. You say um, onus or agency. Um, I think this story also has a big theme of agency. Oh, totally. Like, wow. What do you think about the well, agency? Of agency her? and obedience. I mean, I just like those two are really what stood out to me too, you know, like consistently talking about how devout she is and just so pure. And I mean, she's even the one who, um, even when her father is like, no, I can't to chop off the hands. She's the one that's like, no, do it. You know, and like, yes, she leaves, which I think that makes a lot more sense going back to the first story and kind of realizing like how this all came together and that this is supposed to be a happier mm-hmm. <laughs> version. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the agency over her, just like most fairy tales and what we see, I mean, she doesn't get to make decisions. Like she is essentially sold off to the devil because her father carelessly thinks he doesn't even like... Also, okay, so if the devil comes to you, (laughs) you're not going to at least go look, like just (laughs) confirm what's on the other side of your mill. (laughs) No, I mean, I have to be honest, Mindy, if I was getting a bunch of riches and you were sweeping on the other side, I'd be like, well, (laughs) (laughs) see you later, Mindy, Mindy. (laughs) you know, I I mean, cost reward, right? Like, I I suppose. (laughs) I mean, hey, I mean, I don't know how much gold it was, but I might support you in doing that. Let's just make a pact here that if we get that opportunity, we just we just go with it. We roll with it. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. I think there's something weird. about. Also, I had a question of like, how did the mom know instantly? And I guess it's like the story, but you know, like, just. The mom already knew, which I... She had an ankle bracelet on that daughter. She was <laughs> monitoring where <laughs> monitoring she Monitoring her location on her iPhone. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I mean, I think you're right. It's kind of weird. And that's the only thing we hear from the mom. Like, yeah, I would imagine them, like, both parents should be absolutely, like, uh, I'm going to call the devil right now. Let me just quickly, like, let me just real quick call him and just say, like, deals off or you can take me or whatever. Um, but the father does not do that, right? He is... Well, he even says at one point that he was worried that the devil might take him. Mm -hmm. He never says like, take me, like this is my fault. Yes. But he's worried that he might be taken. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And if, uh, is the movie The Bedazzled? If Bedazzled has taught us anything, the second you're selfless with the devil, then you're good, right? I don't know if I know that movie. Is that the right one? With Brendan Fraser. Brendan Fraser? Oh, it's it's a great movie. Okay, yeah. I'll have to check it out. Sometime. I can't tell if that's the right name, though. I can't remember. It's not Bewitched. <laughs> it's Buh something. Okay, yeah. we'll, we'll check it out. We'll check it out. But anyway, <clears throat> you know, maybe that would have actually given him an out, if you think about it, right. uh, potentially, uh, because selfless acts are not in the devil's interest. Well, and also, I mean, just the whole, the whole premise that money solves everything, Mm -hmm. that money is going to bring good. Um, I recently saw something on Instagram about, you know, like society teaches us that the most important thing is your job title and how much you make. But really, and even for me, like when I started out in my career, you know, and you're all gung ho and thinking like, I want to be president or CEO of a global nonprofit someday. That's something that I thought. Well, working and realizing like, sure, you make more money, but they don't have time 
to use it to travel. Mm -hmm. They don't have time. I mean, just in the experiences that I was seeing, I can say this doesn't go for everyone. Um, But I just started to realize, I was like, I don't actually want the things that come with that. Um, Like, you know, now really being able to value like my free time to do a podcast. Oh, hey. (laughs) to do all that you know and like what is truly important like Mm -hmm. it sounds like such a beautiful setting to have this mill with some apple trees Mm -hmm. and like you know you're happy out there with your family like what were his plans what did he need all that gold for I mean I guess it did say that they were poor and like I know that money helps didn't it say that they were like a poor Mm -hmm. like I just I don't know the value that we always place on money as being the solution and the good thing. Like to me that I guess sticks out a lot. But I think the story is saying that that's not a good thing, which is kind of interesting. Uh, It definitely goes against our society. You know, I think that's a very dangerous thing when you tie your worth to your career because, uh, you know, you could get laid off tomorrow. You know, you don't know how a global pandemic could strike. strike. And there's a lot of people struggling right now. So Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't know that that's, you know, it's really scary to tie yourself to something that's decided by other people. Yeah. And I feel like the girl without hands felt that way about her father, maybe a little bit, right? Like mm. she, she's tying herself to somebody that is going to use her and, and just kind of like. And speaking of tying, I was just, it kind of stuck up to like, why did she tie her hands behind her back? I think it was because like. Or her limbs, I guess I, think, I should say. I actually think it's a little like ableist like reasoning on that like they're useless you know like she because she doesn't have a hand well yeah because i mean that's so messed up in and of itself Mm because i'm like you're making your balance like all of these things like that i i just didn't get yeah that part also how did she do it right (laughs) just yeah just wondering like i don't know i don't know that's kind of a weird sentiment well and it's also weird that you know like so many fairy tales it was somehow instant love, the king seeing her. And like, you know, maybe it was because I think obviously this story is supposed to make you believe in and that you should be um, devout to God and that that's like all that's good. And hearing her say how she got there and that she was like protected and loved by God alone. Um, maybe yeah. we're supposed to think that that's why. But again, it's like instantly seeing a woman falling in love having a baby next thing, you know, that's fairy tales 101. But the interesting thing about this one where it diverges very like clearly is that it doesn't end with the marriage. Yeah. Which I think is, I I actually kind of respected for like, there's a lot of problems here. Clearly there's a lot of weirdness happening and I'm, I'm not religious. So I don't really see the, the God aspect as like a huge sell, but I do think um, there's something interesting about that. And if you look at her hands as like an, I guess it's like a, you know, as a metaphor, she, her father takes away her agency and then she gets it back. Nobody gives that back to her. She gets her hands back from God. That's not a male giving back her hands. Right. Um, and I think that's, that's kind of beautiful. There's something. Well, not a human male. True. True. Good point. But there's an almighty creature in the sky male. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) True. Um, I see what you're saying. Sorry. (laughs) I think there is something kind of cool that like, it's not dependent on her marriage. Yes. Yes. I see that for sure. And something else related to her hands was the fact that when her, the king finally comes and finds her, he somehow doesn't recognize her, 
who is a whole being, yes. a whole person. He doesn't recognize her simply because she has hands. Uh, yeah, totally agree. And I think this is actually also a little ableist here, right? She's totally. Not, she's not a whole without, you know, if she has any sort of uh, difference in, in her body, then she's not whole until she gets that back, which mm-hmm. I think is, that's not a great message, right? right. That's right. really, that's quite obnoxious, actually. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, because again, then hands represent agency, which is again fairly ableist, right? That's mm-hmm. kind of not not a great way to look at look at agency in general. But and also, you know, the- sorry, can I just say real quick that about what you were saying about the he not knowing his wife without her hands? It's like, like how does that like? Is it like a like a Superman scenario where like the second he puts on a cape, nobody knows who he is? Is that the deal? Takes off the glasses and then yeah, bam. That's what I'm saying. Clark Kent like takes off the glasses and, and somebody else. Who the heck is that? But you know, Rachel, we're women. We're not supposed to ask questions for these stories. Oh. We're just supposed to go mm-hmm. with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, the other thing, you know, I guess just all while we're kind of on the subject of God is that the king, how long did it say that he roamed for seven years? Seven years. Without food. Without, that's what I was going to say, without food. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. It seems, seems possible. Wow. Yeah. So that was, that was something else. And, um, you know, I guess while we're on this too, I, I think, and you brought it up. So if you want to bring up this point of kind of like, you know, was that supposed to be related to the Garden of Eden? Like mm. her going in and eating one pear and also what an obnoxious OCD king that he had his fruit counted and knew that there was one missing yeah he sounds like a jerk a like they bit. never really went into that but it's like what about his people or his people starving and that's he's just what i was thinking fruit trees well i do think you're right about the fruit tree though that um i think the apple tree the devil and the apple that's yeah. pretty you know that mix-up is pretty interesting mm-hmm. um and then i also think the pear could symbolize but it's like a good tree so like the apple tree is the bad tree which it is in mm-hmm. the Bible, so that that kind of that kind of tracks, but it's got to be a different tree that gets her salvation, right? It's not got an it. apple tree; it's a pear tree. Mm-hmm. I'm just I'm just postulating here. I don't have any. Backing Did you know for that this. I'm growing a pear tree? <laughs> you are. I thought you were going to stop it. I'm growing a pear. <laughs> and I was like, uh. <laughs> no, I actually we ordered a pear tree, and I oh. thought that it was going to be larger. This was last summer, and it literally like <laughs> a stick came in a box not joking and they were like plant this in the ground and fruit will come i was like wait what i literally i'm just joking like there was roots and um it now you know has little buds over time but then i read the fine print what i missed when i ordered it i think it's going to take somewhere between like four and six years before it'll bear fruit Wow. So, I mean, we can wait, but I guess, hey, it's almost going to take as long as the king was wandering in the forest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you just make your pear tree right here. I will ask you a question, though. If you're looking for somebody to count your pears, you let me know. Oh, yes. I got some daily. parchment ready. I will I'm... count them daily. Oh, okay. And I will know. Oh, so I should steal them. Is that what you're telling me? No, because I will know. Oh, I will count them daily. But who, how will you know it was me? Shoot, I'm telling you right now. Damn it. Mm. <laughs> My master plan is not working out. Damn I'll just, it. I'll have to put a camera on them. I think so. Yeah. I think that's what the king needed really was yes. a camera on his pear tree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Totally. But it's just <laughs> such a weird, such a weird thing for him to like be obsessing over. And then, yeah, I don't know. It's. Well, and even the fact that you have enough time to pay somebody to go count your individual fruit. And sorry, I feel like we went down like a weird wormhole yeah, we about this. Did. It just like really bothers me for some reason. Well, also that like, 
I feel like the guy who let this fruit be stolen from, like the the person that was supposed to be watching the pear tree, was like, well, no, it was spirits. Don't worry about it. It's an angel. Well, also, how many, I mean, it's not like this is the one fruit tree. Didn't she say that oh, like yeah, she saw right. like yeah. so many things? Right. I don't know. Anyway. Yeah. I mean, I guess, I, I guess the best way to go is like, if you, if somebody steals something from your, from your king's garden that you're supposed to be watching, always a spirit. A spirit. Yeah. yeah. Definitely yeah. always a spirit. And then your pear tree theft, also a spirit. I'm yeah. pretty sure. Well, and you know, kind of going back to what made her like what we're supposed to see as her values mm-hmm. or, or sorry, what we're supposed to see as what makes her valuable mm-hmm. includes, you know, her devotion to God, her kindness, her devotion to her father, right? Like even supporting him and be like, no, chop off my hands. Like you, you know, go ahead. Even though you made this crazy deal to the devil, like I would have gotten out of there right away, but I guess the devil would have still found her. So that wouldn't have helped. But um, the, topic around like cleanliness you know that women are supposed to be pure and clean Mm -hmm. and even you know that she had like cried so much that then she was too clean for the devil yeah to take her so I, I don't know it feels like there's a lot to unpack there just around like women being emotional or women like you know and just the water too that they actually kept water from her for that long mm-hmm. but then she just cried on them and and cleaned them so into their purest form i don't know there just there feels like there's something there what do you think yeah it feels like um this is asking for that emotion from women right mm-hmm. that crying is okay and you know our society says that women crying is okay uh don't don't talk about men crying that's not okay but i think that that you know that in some ways is free you know like that that like crying is okay and Mm -hmm. and deemed okay by our society. But I think in this instance, you know, that must be very exhausting, right? To be so pious all the time and to like constantly be washing and and being clean. And, and, you know, I I think you're right. There's kind of a, there's a parallel. There's something there that like, because she's so clean and devout, like that's what saves her. So it's not like, marriage to your point like in other stories but like what saves her is because she's so good and pure which Mm -hmm. yeah to your point has to be exhausting to be that way all the time yeah it must be like you have one topic of conversation when you're talking right like i don't know seems like a lot of work but yeah yeah and but that teaches women how to like put them in their place of you know you're not supposed to talk back you're not Mm -hmm. supposed to have your own opinion you're not supposed to want your own adventures or even you know like wanting for yourself you're supposed to take care of others right yeah exactly and like in order to protect yourself you you aren't supposed to do anything besides cry right Um, yeah and i think that is pretty damaging if you think if you pull that if you tease that a bit more you know she she's powerless and i the thing that i will say about her is that she does make the best of her situation which which is a lot better than most of the other stories we see Mm mm-hmm um, so she uses the tools that she has, which is piety, right? That she uses her belief in God to protect her, which, you know, that is something that she decides to do and it works. So that's great. Um, but it's not helped by any of the males around her. Mm-hmm. And her mom clearly doesn't care. She mentions like one thing and then it's out of the story. Yeah. Like, do you think she was even there when the devil came? She was just like, I'm just going to stay over here. Like, I'm not. But also, I mean, she might have just been in her quote unquote place because we're supposed True. to not expect that like, a mother would 
talk over the father or, you know, so even really the fact that she says, how could you do that? Mm -hmm. I wonder if that was kind of controversial for that time. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. And like that she, yeah, that, that she's not, and also that her not being in the story probably points to that as well. Maybe something happened to her. We don't know. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think cleanliness is a really good point. And I will say the parallel there for now for like modern living is like, I I do enjoy this. I'm not saying anything bad about it, but it's like making sure your eyebrows are waxed, making sure your, your nails are done, making sure, you know, there's this like this aura of cleanliness and, and like, it's exhausting, right? It's exhausting. Total. You want to know something? Uh-huh. It is so exhausting and something that I've like tried to free myself from during quarantine. I mean, I guess one of the like, you know, I I do often try to find positives where I can because this year has just been, you know, so hard for mm-hmm. all of us. And my heart goes out to any listeners who are still struggling. We all are. This is a journey. Um, so I guess I'm, I'm not trying to like make light of anything, but I have not gotten a pedicure the entire time. And not, I mean, some people don't get them like ever, yeah. but even just the expectation of that women's, our freaking feet have to be pretty and perfect. Like who even sees them when like, you know, mine are in socks right now, but like, you know, men can kind of have feet that aren't perfect. Yeah. And um, I think, was it Billy razors? Maybe like the first razor company to show a woman like shaving the hair on her big toe in a TV commercial. It just, that stands out to me too, because our expectation of feet that they're supposed to be hairless, clean, perfect, manicured. Um, and I have to be honest, I painted my nails two weeks ago on my hands um, for the first time just because I like came across some nail polish. And I was like, oh, this is fun, right? Like it, it felt fun. It was something that I wanted to do. But then I remembered how much work it is yeah, so like to then have to take it off. And because, you know, then the worst, the next worst thing is like, well, you can't have just like cracked, crappy looking nail polish. Like it has to be done and and look perfect and pretty and all of these things back to how we're supposed to be yeah and there's to your point there's certain ones of those that I like you know Mm -hmm. I enjoy doing my hair occasionally putting some makeup on things like that but um those expectations that it needs yeah to be done also okay so while we're here Uh uh-huh going a little off off script just have to air this one out. Um, so for our listeners who may know, did we share last season that I'm pregnant? I think so. Yep. I think we did mm-hmm. at the end of the season. So mm-hmm. I'm expecting um, due in late May. And I've been learning a lot about what's, you know, happening to my body, what's going to happen. And so, you you know, I've been watching different like birth videos because I want to be prepared. The amount of birthing videos where women have no pubic hairs while giving birth I just there's something about it and do what you want right but clearly if it's going to be that hairless either they've been lasered before or got a wax just before giving birth like the expectation that you even need to be hairless and that clean when giving birth birth like towards when I am like eight or not like I just that is not on the top of my list of concerns <laughs> yeah. when a baby is going to be coming out of me and again no shade if that is your decision like do what you want to do but at some fundamental level it just 
I don't know. I, I was struggling with it. Like I kept seeing these videos and I literally was like, why don't any of these women have pubic hairs? Hmm. And they're all on these different like doula websites, like all these websites. I've just been trying to learn because I really don't know. Like I, there's still so much stuff that I feel like pregnant women, like I'm kind of learning throughout the journey. And now that people are opening up to me about stuff that happens because they're like, hey, you're actually pregnant. Um, did you know this happens? I'm like, well, crap, I didn't. <laughs> but anyway, so I don't know if that's like a weird thought or if that's offensive, but I just am finding... I think something odd about it. I think you're right, though, about that expectation. There's some expectation somewhere where like that that's something you should do. Right. And Mm -hmm. I, you know, I think that 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 is exactly what, you know, what they what they're doing in this story is they're making that seem like that's going to save you. Yes. Which thank you for bringing us home. Which that's the connection. I think like not sure that if you if you worry about your pubic hair and you're giving birth not sure that's going to help with any of the birth. I don't know. I don't know anything about birthing, but it, it's it's not like it's doctor recommended. Right. Like it, I just, well, yeah, I think too, to your point, the like, yeah, it'll save you. It kind of even makes me think about the fact that, you know, like, let's say that you haven't plucked your eyebrows in a while or you haven't gotten Hello, a pedicure. Hello, that's me. Yeah, Hello. same, same. Yeah. It's like, those are the sorts of things that people start to say like, oh, well, so-and-so's like, let themselves go uh-huh. right because mm-hmm. they stop doing the things that are deemed as giving you Necessity. value and giving you worth mm-hmm. as a beautiful pure clean woman mm-hmm. yeah which can include you know people gaining weight or mm-hmm. you know just maybe not obsessing and spending time on their hair and makeup every morning there's so many things where people say oh they've let themselves go uh-huh. and i think it's all kind of like what you said it's because that's where we're holding value for it's, women. It's really sad. It's really sad to think about uh, because obviously women are so much more than that. People who don't, you know, people across the gender spectrum are not that way, right? And I think there's something so beautiful in the in that like women are not a monolith, right? Totally. We, we don't all enjoy the same things. We're people, we're different. And so to to make people come into, like have to be in this box in order to be saved, that's problematic. Um and I think that's that's really sad because it shows one type of way of living. And I, I think that these stories do a really good job of making us believe that that makes sense, right? Yeah. And not questioning that part of it. So yeah, I could totally see that. Now I'm gonna now I'm very curious about birthing videos, but I don't think I'm gonna Google that. I'm, I'm gonna <laughs> stay away there. Um, but yeah, yeah. I mean, well, I think that's a good. Call. I also just think that maybe that's like a, a good place to wrap this up mm-hmm. because I think you know there's there's just so much intertwined. But to your point, that yeah no one person is a monolith for what they represent. Mm -hmm. We all have value. And um, there's lots of great points in this story. So thank you for sharing it. I think it was really just an insightful one, eye-opening, and just so many different themes that we see in other stories still Mm -hmm. in our daily life. When did you say this originally was from? And the fact that women have been um, having their, you know, like, I guess their value be taught to them through fun fairy tales ever since then is wild. Yeah. Well, I think the earlier versions, the middle ages is what it dates back to. And I think the earlier versions were a lot worse. <laughs> so, so yeah. Which is even, you know, yeah. I mean, so that would scare you even more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Wild. Well, um, I guess my, my uh, imparting wisdom to you is to make sure to not sell your daughter. That, that would be a good 
good little nugget of knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. So well, yeah. Thank you so much, Rachel, for bringing the story to me and our listeners. And I, I can't wait to hear what we have next week. Yeah. Cool. Talk to you soon. Sounds good. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode, but you can always find us on Instagram at Femlore Podcast or visit us online at Femlore.com. We love what we do, but we can't do it without you. Your listens, shares, and reviews keep us going, so please tell your friends about us. Femlore is produced by Mindy Scott, Rachel Marr, Aaron Crossland, and Lauren Crossland Marr. Audio engineering and music by Aaron Crossland, research and coordination by Lauren Crossland Marr, and as always, canine support provided by Andy and Cody. Ow!